Hey, well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Matt Schock, and I'm the campus minister here at Aggies for Christ. And if you're an Aggie, or if you're a DACC student, or a senior in high school, or a young professional in the area, we're pumped you're here, and you're welcome. This whole entire group is welcome. I, as, for someone who works at a church, I, I'm not that impressed with church things. Like, I love Wednesday nights. I love this group so much, and I love Sunday mornings at our church across the parking lot here at UCC. I love that stuff. But what really matters to me with a group of people like this is the family, is the family that we have. We don't want to be your church. We really want to be your family. And the way we do that here at AFC is we do it through, uh, we do it through small groups. We have small groups that you can sign up for in the back. They're just a great intimate Bible study type, type setting where you can ask questions, where you can develop deeper relationships. And that's, that's one way we do things. Um, another way we do things is through events. Um, one of the events that we have coming up this week is as a group, we're going to meet at the Aggies for Christ Lounge, which is right outside the parking lot here, Friday at 610 right, 610, and we're going to meet as a group, and we're going to go to the Rock and Worship Roadshow across the street, okay, it's $10 at the door, it's going to be awesome, we're going to go as a group, sit together, there's like 20 Christian bands coming, they're all amazing, um, newsboys and some other people, so it's going, to be, it's going to be really good, so that's one of the events that we have, but one of the events that we just got back from this weekend was the annual AFC Spring Retreat, I think we have a picture of it, in Rio Doso, it was so, so much fun, the Ten people that are cheering were the part of the 64 that went with us. <clears throat> we had a fantastic time. It was, it was so much fun. We, stayed at, we slept on the floor of a church, which wasn't the best part, but we ate so much food. We drank so much coffee. We stayed up way too late. We went tubing. We just had a blast. It was unbelievable. But one of the things that we did was we had um, three really, really great um, worship sessions uh, where we were led um, in singing, but we were also led in teaching by a man named Joel Newton that goes to our church. Now, Joel is a great speaker and a great preacher, and he brought a series of talks to us called Summits or Summiting. And so during, this le during these lessons, it was super challenging and uh, convicting for myself to remember some of these spiritual summits that happened in my life these spiritual highs that I'm sure some of you had had before. So I got back to thinking about some of them in my life, some of the spiritual highs in my life. In early 2013, I was baptized in this church. It was one of the greatest um, spiritual experiences for myself to, be, um, to, to make a proclamation like that, that, that God is doing something inside of me. In that same year, towards the end of the year, I started reading this book, Disciplines of a Godly Man. This was an absolute summit in my life. This book showed me the type of man that I wanted to become, but also it showed me the type of man that I wasn't just yet. And it really, I, I really believe I became a godly man the year I read this book. That was another summit for me. I've spent some time in Honduras over the past couple summers. Um, the past three summers, I've got to go there for a little bit, and that is a spiritual high. It's an amazing place to be, to see the hands and feet of God working in that place. And so if you're a Jesus follower in the room today, you've probably had some spiritual summits for yourself, right? You can nod if you've had them, right? So what I want you to do is I want you to think about those right now. Think about those summits. Think about those emotions. Think about those convictions that came with that time in your life. And, and I want to hear all your stories. I want to hear them one day. I hope I get to hear all of your testimonies and hear about these spiritual highs in your life. But tonight I want to have a conversation, a real honest conversation and dialogue between you guys and myself about the reality that our whole life and our faith is not just summits, is it? 
It's a brutal, brutal reality when we come down from our first spiritual high. You get this feeling, you get this, this, uh, this motivation, this conviction, and then we come down from the mountain and we say, oh, man, this is tougher than I thought. One of the most common sayings in America that we've been saying since the 50s, I tried doing research on it, was when the rubber meets the road. And you guys have all heard it. What you need a picture right now is this brand new Corvette on the showroom floor, and it looks beautiful. The paint job is perfect. It just looks amazing, but we really don't know how that car is going to perform until what? Until that first piece of tire tread hits the road. Then we know if that's going to be a good piece of equipment or not, when the rubber meets the road. So that's what we want to talk about in regards to our faith tonight. When we come down from those spiritual highs, when we leave the mountain, when we leave the summit, on the descent, what does our faith look like? And so that's what our title of the talk tonight is called, The Descent, and it's Confessions About an Everyday Faith. Because sometimes we sugarcoat it, right? Like it's all sunshine and rainbows. It's not. It's not. Take it from a guy that works at a church. It's not always that spiritual high. So tonight we're going to talk about the descent. Now to help tell me the story about the descent, I, I wanted to talk about my favorite movie of all time. My absolute favorite movie. Don't give it away yet. We'll go to the slide in a minute. Some of you might think it's 8 Mile. Somebody made fun of me for that yesterday. Some straight out of Compton is up there for me too. I mean, I love these movies. Space Jam. But my favorite movie is one that might actually surprise you. My favorite movie is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Has anybody in the room ever seen it? Okay, both of you, that's great. Did anybody in the, did anybody in the room like it? Okay, so all four of you. So this is gonna tank pretty bad. But let me tell you why, let me tell you why The Secret Life of Walter Mitty is the best movie ever made. Or at least let me try to convince you. The secret life of Walter Mitty is so real. You can go to the next slide. It is painfully real how this movie starts. The movie, oh sorry, we went too early, it's fine. The movie starts with Walter sitting at his computer, filling out this online dating profile, and he can't even get that to work right. He's super lonely, and he's gonna do, he's gonna, he's gonna do that, and so he doesn't have any good relationships. The next, the next scene is him missing the train that's gonna take him to his dead-end job. The next scene is him getting made fun of at work. The next scene is him um, being alone and, and, and counting on the only real relationship that he has, and that's, put, that's his, his mother, and he's put, about to put her into a nursing home. I mean, this movie is so painful to watch in the beginning. It really, really is. But the movie, starts take, the movie takes a turn for the, for the better, I guess, when Walter's at work. And Walter works at a magazine where he's, supposed to, where he's in charge of picture development, right? And this magazine company is going to run one last issue, and Walter's department lost the picture. And so the movie from there on is this grand adventure of Walter trying to find this, uh, this photographer to help find out where that picture's at. So he's hunting down this elusive photographer. Now, now Walter does things that he's never, ever done before. He, he jumps on, a, on, a, on an airplane to Greenland. That, that, that's the first place where the photographer's supposedly at. He goes to Greenland, and he misses him by a couple days. They say, well, he's on this ship in the ocean. So he takes a helicopter ride to this ship in the ocean where the photographer's supposedly at, and, he, and he, doesn't, he doesn't make it in time. He has to jump into the water because of the storm, and the photographer's not even on the boat. The next, uh, the next place he chases him down, he's like, well, he's in Iceland, which is this picture down here, actually. And, the, and this picture right here of, of Walter on this longboard, it is the most beautiful cinematic, it, it is the best scene in cinema history, I'm convinced. It's Walter, Walter Mitty longboarding down this, this island in, uh, or this mountain in, in Iceland. And it's just this, this beautiful example of a man whose life was going nowhere, and he's finally starting to live. He's finally starting to adventure. He's finally starting to summit. 
And the climax of the movie comes in the next slide. Walter finds the photographer. He finds the photographer, played by Sean Penn here. He finds him at, at the top of a mountain in the Himalayas, right? He tracks him all the way up. It's just this, this beautiful movie of him tracking down this photographer. So this is the summit. This is the climax. This is where Walter's going to make sense of it all, right? But at the summit, Sean Penn really teaches Walter a great lesson about life and about summiting and about coming off the mountain that I want to look at right now. When are you going to take it? Sometimes I don't. If I like a moment, I mean me, personally, I don't like to have the distraction of the camera. I just want to stay. like fun. I think I'm gonna jump in. Hey, what, what was the picture, Sean? We're gonna be odd-numbered if you don't join. What was the picture? Let's just call it a ghost cat, Walter Mitty. This movie so much. I'm so I'm so sorry if this doesn't this movie doesn't mean as much to you as it does to me. But let's at least pull some life lessons from it, okay? He, Sean Penn says he looks down. He says he says that looks like fun. Down there he's talking about uh, he's talking about the the Himalayas. Where is that? India or Turkey or something? I don't, I don't know. The Himalayan soccer players are down there on the ground and they're, they're playing soccer, right? And and, Wal, and Walter's like man, or, or the photographer's like man, that looks like fun. We're gonna go we're we're gonna go down there and play. But, but Walter's stuck in this, this mindset. He's like, nah, we're, we're at the peak. We're at the summit. We just talked about enjoying this moment. And in an instant, it was over. And he starts looking down at the soccer game. He's like, we're going we're gonna to go play. We're going to be odd-numbered out. You're going to be odd-numbered if you don't come play. And, and Sean Penn, the actor of the photographer, he teaches Walter this lesson that, man, these moments, they're good. These spiritual highs that we have in our life, they're good. And they're to be enjoyed. And we should stay in those as long as we can. But, but. There is beauty in the valley. That looks like fun, he says, down there in the valley. And so they get off the mountain. They leave that, that peak of uh, the climax of the movie, and they have to go back down. Now, I could talk about Walter Mitty all day long. I could actually just probably show the movie, and that would be a good enough sermon for myself because it speaks to my soul. But I actually have three examples from Scripture tonight uh, when men were at the top of the mountain and when they came down, when they had to come down on the descent. And so the first one I want to tell you about is a guy named Jesus. He's a super important character in the Bible. It's actually kind of written about him. So um, I want to go to Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 13. And this is, this is Jesus, all right? In these days he, who is Jesus, he went out to a mountain to pray. And all night he continued in prayer to God, verse 13. And when he came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve 
whom he named apostles, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon the Zealot, Judas, and Judas Iscariot. Those were the 12 that he called. And so, so what's the scene here is Jesus is going to the, Jesus is going top of the mountain because he has an important decision to make. He said, who's going to be my inner circle? Who's going to be the people that are around me when, I, when I'm sharing the, the good news of my gospel? Who's going to help me do that? It was such a big decision that Jesus needed to be in prayer all night long with God because he needed to be in alignment with God when it came to this decision. And so our first sermon point of the night tonight reads like this. It says, the descent can bring direction. The descent coming off of the mountain can bring direction. Now, for college students, for young adults in the room, can we agree that direction is something we absolutely long for? And I know that it is because I sit across from some of you guys at coffee shops and we talk and we say, like, man, I want to know, know what I'm going to do. I want to know where I'm going to live. I want to know who I'm going to be with, how I'm going to do it, and when it's going to happen, right? We want direction. And so sometimes when we seek God with all we have, when we go up on the mountain and we come down, we can find that. That's an example of things that happen sometimes. But it's not always like that. We said we're not going to sugarcoat things tonight. So the second example tonight that I want to tell you comes from uh, when, when, when spiritual highs aren't always all, as easy comes from the story of Moses. Moses spends this extended amount of time on the mountain with God, and, uh, and he comes down the mountain to something kind of surprising. Exodus 32.7 reads like this. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and they have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it, and they have said, these are your gods, Israel, who have brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. They are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you a great nation. What a crappy situation for Moses. See, what's happening here is Moses went to the mountain to be with God. On top of the mountain, he was given the Ten Commandments. He was given a bunch of other commandments. And God told him there, he said, this is how I'm going to make you a great nation. And so Moses is probably feeling pretty good. Moses come down the mountain like, yeah, yeah I, got, I got the one true God on my side. He's about to make us into a great nation right here. I can't wait to tell the people, what in the heck are they doing? A golden calf? Moses was coming down with this, with, with this great news, this, this, great, this great testimony, and, and they're worshiping a, a cow? Moses came back to struggle. Moses came back to a struggle, and it wasn't what he expected to come back to. And the rest of the chapter is Moses pleading with God to not destroy the whole nation of Israel. He's pleading with God. And so our second point tonight is sometimes the descent can bring struggle. The descent can bring struggle. And unfortunately... For this group right here, for the group in the room, and I'm putting myself in this right now, this is something we, we, we don't hear enough. See, we go to the coffee shops, and we, we, have these, we have these talks with the pastor, and we say, I'm ready to turn it around, man. I'm ready to read Disciplines of a Godly Man. I'm ready to be, I'm ready to be a godly man. I'm ready to be a godly woman, and, and then we find struggle when that's over. Or we go on retreat, and we have to drive down the mountain from Rio Doso, and we got to come back to Las Cruces. Or we... Uh, or, or, or we just realize that the world, while we were on our spiritual high, the world kept spinning. There's still struggle. There's still sin. There's still pain. The world kept going without us, and we realize that, and we get really bummed out. 
But the difference between somebody who's going to be a godly man or a godly woman is somebody who's going to not let their emotions dictate their faith, but they're going to respond like Moses did in verse 30. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. And now I'll go up to the Lord again. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord. If there's, if there's one prayer I could pray over this room, it would be twofold. One, my first prayer for this room, it's been my prayer all week long in preparation for this, is that you would have your spiritual summit, that you would have your spiritual high, that you would meet Jesus, and that your emotions would be turned, and your convictions would be deepened, and your affirmations would take hold of you, and it would change you. I pray that all of you have the summit. I want that for you. But my second prayer would be when we find out that there's still struggle and there's still pain in the world, there's still sin, and that this faith thing isn't that easy, my second prayer for you would be that you would return to God. Just like Moses be, just like Moses did. See, it's hard. One truth about Christianity that maybe we don't want to hear all the time is that it's hard. Take it from me. I work at a church and I'll admit it's hard. But it's so, so worth it. See the struggle, see the beauty in the struggle, and return to God. That would be my prayer. The last example of a summit experience that I want to share with you tonight, again, comes from Jesus. Very important guy. We could talk about him every single night. So I have one more story from Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. It reads like this. And after he had dismissed them, he's talking about the disciples, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So Jesus is on a mountain. He wants to be by himself. He sends the disciples out in a boat, and a storm happens, right? Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come on, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, he walked on water, and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. Again, Jesus is here on this mountain. He wants to go away and pray. Maybe he's finding direction. Maybe he's having a tough time. But he wants to go to the mountain by himself to pray. And the storm starts up. And Jesus is going to use this, this, uh, this moment to do two things. He's gonna, one, he's going to teach his disciples and teach Peter about faith. But two, he's going to help them calm a storm. He's going to calm the storm. And so our sermon point number three tonight, it's our last point. It says we must descend to help calm storms. In others' others lives, we must descend to help calm storms. If you're a Jesus follower in the room tonight, you know, you know how good it feels to have that spiritual high, to have that summit. It's an amazing, an amazing experience. But if you're a Jesus follower in the room tonight who's also dedicated themselves to help making disciples and to help putting out storms in people's lives, you know that that's your purpose on this earth. 
I want to finish tonight with looking at the three points one more time because I believe that these three points speak to different people at different walks in their faith journey. First, the descent can bring direction. Coming off of the summit can bring clarity to why God has you in the position that he has you. And that's something we're all looking for, right? But without sugarcoating anything, the second, the second point tonight was that the, the descent can bring struggle. We come back to a broken world. And it, and it rocks our face sometimes. It's hard. It is. But when you see the struggle, the mature Christian will find beauty in that struggle, and they will return to God. And the ser- third sermon point tonight is the one we just talked about, is we must descend to help calm storms. So what I want to do right now is I want to have the praise team come back up, and Zeke is going to give me some super spiritual background music. Maybe you're in the room tonight, and this is your summit. Maybe you're in the room. We've seen it a lot this semester. We've seen a lot of people in the room that, that, that the message speaks to them or the worship gets to them and that this is their summit. If that's you, oh, my gosh, I'm so, I'm so excited for you. I'm so glad that you're here. To, man, trip me up. I'm trying to finish this thing. <laughs> if you hit your summit tonight, man, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for you. Will you come pray with me tonight in the back? Or, or with, if you're a girl, come pray with our, our intern, Melissa. We'd love to pray with you tonight. But if you're the other group in the room and you've recently come off the summit, I'm with you. I'm with you. The struggle in the valley is real. The struggle on the descent is real. It's hard and it's a process and I, and I get it. But the only way, and we'll go to the last slide for the night, the only way to help people reach their summit is to meet them in the valley. The only way to help people reach their summit is to meet them in the valley. There's beauty in the valley. One of the best parts about my job is that I get to go to the summit with people all the time. Be it at the coffee shop, just talking, or be it here tonight, just praying. Going to the summit with somebody is amazing, and that's what a disciple maker does. They help calm storms, and they help people take, to take people where they need to be at the summit with God. So there's beauty in the descent. There's beauty in the valley, and you'll reach your summit again. But tonight I close with this. Find your direction, embrace the struggle, and help others calm their storms. Will you pray with me? Dearly Father, I'm just going to be honest and say that uh, this walk is hard sometimes. It doesn't always feel like the, the mission trips or the retreats. It's real life sometimes, and it's hard. God, I know there's people in the room that are feeling their summit tonight, and if that's them, I pray that you just uh, you turn their hearts to come pray tonight, to come take the next step, um, be it baptism, be it confession, be it um, um, convictions about sin in their lives, whatever it is, God, I pray that somebody reaches their summit tonight because we know how good that feels. But God, for everybody, um, kind of like myself in the valley tonight on the descent, I pray that you will just move in this place in their hearts too. And that like your servant Moses, we'll return to you, God. Because that is our heart's desire, is to return to you. And I know it's what you want for us too. Lord, thank you for the, va- thank you for the valleys. And thank you for the summits. And I can't wait to meet you at the top again. In your son's name I pray. Amen.